0: heard Dave before. Some of you may have joined us uh, probably a bit more recently. You might not have heard Dave, but Dave has, uh, he has actually really been a part of, we're just saying that you've been a part of this journey and he said, I've watched the journey, but you've actually been a part of it. Uh, The words of encouragement and stuff along the way, uh, the phone calls and the chats, uh, and beyond that as well, um, you guys have blessed us financially as well, and even in the building stage, I know that, that uh, while we're in Brisbane uh, helped us out financially and contributed um, finances to help us practically. Uh, I've got a team of people, um, I'll say on call, it's probably not literally on call, but when we're ready to, to do letterbox drops or we want to do community things, uh, they've said, look, let us know, we'll come on down, um, Youth with a Mission, I think, how many young kids, how many sort of people you got on base at the moment? Okay, quiet season now, so There's probably only about 50. Yep, yep, yep. so uh, so anyway, these guys have been great, and I think I've shared this with you guys too before, but, um, uh, and I've probably shared it with you, Dave, but I'm going to say it again. I, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be preaching, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for a conversation that I had with Dave many, many years ago when a pastor at Redcliffe ripped into me because I didn't preach like Brian Houston and gave me a bad rap, and then chased my leader at the time in YWAM Brisbane, chased Dave up, saying, you need to deal with this guy, what are you doing, what are you doing? And in the end, he sent Dave a cassette tape, remember cassette tapes? Little reels, and they used to move tape along. So, I sent Dave a cassette tape of the message and said, You've got to deal with this guy. And I remember Dave coming to my house, it was nighttime in Pasco Street, Mitchelton. And I remember opening the door, Dave came in, he said, This guy sent me a tape, I've listened to it, and I made a, a, a secret vow that I was never going to preach again or stand up in front of people and talk anymore. I'd just do my job and uh, it was the conversation that Dave had with me that night and all you said, and I still can't forget it, you looked at me and you said, if Wyoming had more preachers like that we'd be, in a, be in, a, in a much better place. So those words are the reason why I'm still doing what I'm doing. So Dave, uh, that encouragement uh, has gone a long way to planting a seed in us that's planted, uh, helped us to be doing what we're doing here. So uh, again, I'm a big believer you, you, you're It forward. This It's fruit to your account that you're looking at here as well, Dave, because we wouldn't be here. Uh, I know I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without that bit of encouragement. So before I get Dave up, I'm just going to read a a, a passage out of um, Genesis chapter 8. Can you just pass my glasses there Dale? It's not funny, Alan. not at all. It's not funny, the other people that laughed either. Okay, Genesis chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 1 through to verse... 17, and the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Oh, I'm reading in Exodus 8, aren't I? That's all right. Exodus 8 is a really good passage. Maybe God wants you to preach out of that. Do you want to preach out of that one? Maybe the Lord's saying something to you. This is, a, this is a moment for you, Dave, to step up. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1 to 17. Then God remembered Noah. He'd already remembered Moses and then he went back and God remembered Noah And every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month on the mountain of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the windows of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot and the waters, and so she returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth, So he put out his hand and took her and drew the dove back into the ark. And he waited yet another seven days. And again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening. Behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. And then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons', and your sons wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth.
1: Great! It's really lovely to be here again with you guys. Um, I've often said when I come back that if I lived in the in New South Wales, I would definitely come to a Rise Church. That worship was awesome this morning. Really was to the whole team. And Alan, I could listen to you for hours. Like your mind and your mouth have this competition going. Sometimes one's faster than the other, but it's just fascinating to listen to you. Uh, I'm a slower thinker, slower talking kind of guy, and I just stand in awe. Uh, but it 's just a blessing to be here, so you guys are amazing, and I just think it 's beautiful what you 've done incredible creation and um, what a story what an incredible story from uh, the stinky uh, what well, the stinky men and the gymnasium and the denkerub and whatever you dealt with to, to hear today um, well, it 's just so awesome to celebrate and to think about that journey that is really, really exciting. Um, I love Genesis and um, when Alan called me um, and asked me to come and speak, straight away I felt prompted to not necessarily teach you today but kind of just share a bit of a prophetic word that I feel like is probably for you. So um, when, um, yeah, I was thinking about Genesis 8 and, and the thing that really leapt in my mind as Alan was on the telephone was uh, God remembered Noah. And um, so I, I think the parallel I'm trying to draw is that Noah went on a faith journey Uh, and he was in an ark and took everybody with him in this journey and landed in a new place. And I think it's the same with the Rise Church. And I'd really love to think that you all agree that this building is really the ark. It's not the goal. It's the ark of the journey. And um, at the end of, or or actually coming out from it, is multiplication. Uh, And when you think about uh, that ark, I don't want to get too weird about this, but it was absolutely loaded with multiplication potential. That was a... A, a, a floating warehouse of multiplication potential, and of course, want to get you know. I'll say it, but once they get to the beach, you can imagine what happened. Uh, there was going to be a lot of multiplication happen pretty quickly, uh, and if you watch the the Noah movie by Hollywood, they anticipated this and built in, and they actually put everybody to sleep on the boat. Uh, which is probably a good idea. Uh, and so theoretically when they arrive, boom, multiplication took place. And really that's the goal. And um, we need to, uh, as Christians, be continually uh, focused on the goal here, which is to to reach every creature. And I think we're approaching 7 billion people on the planet now. Uh, you just walk out the door and you see pain and brokenness around us. Uh, we have wonderful people in here, but the objective is you as Cows and camels and giraffes and all of that. You, you have the seed of multiplication within you from the Lord. He's taken you into this boat for a season to get to that place to be able to multiply this incredible thing that you have. And so uh, this is, the, I guess, the word that I I sense for you that I want to just unpack a little bit. Uh, and so I'm just... Can we get that screen there, Wogan? Yep. Okay. So, so what I've done is I've called uh, the message today, Get Ready... Set, grow. And of course on a journey it's not like a sprint. Uh, you know, when you're lining up for your 100 metre sprint in primary school, you're ready and the anticipation and the gun and, you know, ready, set, go. And of course everybody's gone and I'm usually a few metres behind. But um, in a sense when you start a journey it's a little bit like that. There's phases. There's get ready and then there's get set and then there's grow. And um, so I want to break this down, uh, those three phases, and talk to you prophetically, wondering whether maybe this applies to where you're at uh, in your journey. And so uh, this scripture that um, we have up here, uh, I've just taken the first scripture and the last scripture because the first and the last is, is the beginning and the end of the journey and then... There's a whole lot of stuff that happened in between in that boat. So God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that was with him in the ark and he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. And then at the end it said, God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons and their wives, bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number. So that's the beginning of the journey but also gives you the context of what you're about, what is your journey all about. It is about multiplication to try to reach the world and especially the community around here. And so um, I have identified down here um, exactly what I said, so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful in increase. So let's uh, start with the first part up here. Um, You know, Noah uh, was in this interesting place where he stepped out in radical faith, just like you guys did. Uh, You know, the little team uh, that was back there at the gymnasium had a sense of the word of the Lord presented to you, and a whole number of you felt, I guess, the sense of the Spirit of God saying, there's something in this. This this is of me. And you chose to get on the boat with Alan, Jack, Jackie, and, and others, and you've come to this place, and God has been faithful. But what's um, really interesting is that uh, usually on a journey, um, well, there's actually a growth curve that I think applies very much to... Uh, a lot of things in life, uh, especially in ministry. And so what happens is you have an apostolic word that's spoken to you, uh, where God speaks about a faith dimension, something of faith that you, uh, uh, he wants you to do with him. And if you agree, and two or three gather together and join to do that, uh, often you'll have an initial growth where there's excitement, things start happening, And then what happens is all of a sudden, uh, to not be offensive, but it's almost like all hell breaks loose, uh, and the crisis happens. And um, putting this over the way that God works with the gifts within the body, usually what happens in this time is that the prophet, the prophetic words start to flow. The truths, principles of how to manage, principles of how to trust God, that God is faithful. You are in a crisis mode here. You start off, this apostolic figure has got you into this boat, stepping into this radical vision. All of a sudden, the bills start coming in. All of a sudden, the crazy stuff, the building projects. It just feels like crisis. And it's exactly what Noah experienced. In the Bible, rain is often used to explain crisis, when there's a crisis or chaos. And so um, the first part of Noah's journey, he stepped in this boat with great anticipation, moved in faith, got everybody in the boat, and then all of a sudden for 40 days it rained, which would have been just chaos, stress, stress. Uh, crisis everywhere, how do we manage these animals, Uh, the the lions messing up, you know, all of the chaos and the stress and the trauma of even seeing so many people drown, there would have been a lot of stress and trauma and questioning. Now the questioning starts to ask. Now questioning is not wrong. The Jewish people are taught, the reason they're so good at science is they're able to question. You know, it's crazy in our schools in Australia that if you question the teacher, it's like, don't you question me. But in the Jewish culture, they're taught it's okay to question. It's okay to ask questions because therefore you find truth. Now, it's your attitude in that questioning that is the key. And the main person you're questioning is not each other or your pastor, it's God. God, we thought this was your word. We thought this was you, and now we are in stress and, and it's been stressful like you can't believe. And what, this is the place where you, you actually get great keys, prophetic words from God uh, and truths and principles. And what happens then is that you get these... Uh, then what happens is as you apply those principles in that place of crisis, you start to stabilise and then you start to slowly grow. And then what happens is the prophet teaches... Uh, prophet teachers start to teach uh, these principles to others. So now you've got a whole group of people agreeing, all embracing the truths and the words and the wisdom of God together, and you start to see yourself accelerating. And then the pastors come along and uh, care for people, and the teacher and and uh, and and so forth. Now. Uh, this is uh, a growth curve that not only applies in a Christian sense but in the world in general and business as well. Now what happens is if you just rest at this place, what usually happens is there's, you get out of here and you think, oh, I can rest. This is so good, I can have a rest. Wow, we're not stressed anymore, things are going well, we're blessed, it's beautiful, great people here, let's have a rest. Now that is not wrong. And, and in fact, that's really, really good. But if you don't do that over and over again, then what happens is you start to decline because we have this thing called gravity in the world. And, uh, you know, it might you might stay at this place maintaining for a little while, and then you, you'll eventually... But eventually, if you do not continue in the journey of pursuing faith and walking in faith, uh, you will eventually go out of faith and decline starts to happen and so um, it's a bit of a messy graph but I think that you see what I'm saying. Now what is really smart is that what, you, what a good leader and what a good team get, does is once they've learned this principle then they realise the best way rather than allow to gravity to take its place you actually start to activate a crisis, a control crisis Uh, And in a way that you have some control over. So you you cast some more vision and you actually create a little dip on purpose. But now you know the principles. You know you can trust God. You've learned so much from this place before. So it's not so chaotic and crazy and stressful and calamitous because you've learned together. So you're able to minimize the dip uh, and then continue up. If you continue to try to go without rest, you'll end up coming down as well. And so it's good for a, a healthy team to continue to take on new challenges and step in faith and to step forward uh, and in a way that you can engineer this new growth curve. And so um, I think what uh, was really interesting is that Noah's situation would, uh, when, when they found themselves here, uh, and a lot of people uh, in Noah's situation would be overwhelmed with the stress and the chaos and step out of faith back into control again. I want control. I want control. This faith business is crazy stuff. Yeah, it was exciting to start off with. It was pretty cool. Great journey. Man, some cool stuff happened. I can't deny it. Uh, but now I'm going to step back into, I'm going to be faithful, uh, but I want control again because that was a little bit too crazy for me. Others have gone up to this point and, whew, okay, ah, now we're good, but I'm not going to do that again. But as I said, the problem is if you don't, um, you usually end up in decline anyway. So it's part of the thing. We have to continue to be courageous and walk in faith with the Lord to be able to see his blessing. And I'd say that Noah was probably this place. Now, what happens after a, a time of trauma is that you get really tired, especially if you're on a boat. And Noah was probably on the boat. And I asked myself, wow, it's really interesting that Noah, uh, God remembered Noah. Did he forget about him? Like, oh my gosh, you put us in a boat in the middle of the ocean and you forgot about us? Like, oh, good on you, God. But I wonder about that. I wonder whether there was uh, for certainly a natural, appropriate time of rest that had to happen, that God let them just chill and rest for a little while. Um, but sometimes that rest time, like I said, can be drawn out far longer than it needed to be. And I suspect that what happened was that Noah and his crew, yeah, they had a bit of a rest after the trauma, and then they started thinking, this grumbling and getting tired and trying to take control of situations again and stepping out of faith, and God goes to sleep. The spirit and the power of God goes to sleep. When you are not operating in faith, he goes to sleep again, or he just forgets about it, or he actually just doesn't want to impose on you Because I think faith is something that you petition and ask God for. Uh, And so the question I have is that was God just waiting and he initiated the timing to blow the wind uh, to start to dry up the water or was Noah pursuing him? And I wonder whether Noah and his team probably were struggling and probably floated around a little bit longer, a little bit like Moses, a little bit longer than they really needed to be and they started to go back in faith to God and say, God, what's next? And that's probably what God got God's attention. And as we, as we know from Scripture, uh, know that without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So when we seek him, he rewards. He responds when we seek him. And that explains why churches can stay stagnant for decades and decades and God won't intervene because the people need to pursue him for faith to be stirred. And so um, I, I think about this a lot. Um, I was a really little kid. Uh, I took a long time to grow. Uh, and I had a big friend called Michael Memo. He's a big Greek boy, and uh, I didn't know what made him grow so big. His father had a fish and chips shop, and I used to think that fish and chips was a secret, but he was like twice as big as I was, and I was a tiny little skinny kid. And I, it took me a while to realise that it was my mother's fault. See, when, when you have babies, when women have babies, women tell each other secrets. And the secrets are... That the more sleep a baby has, the more it wants to sleep. And so, what happens is the first thing you ask a new mum is, it sleeping? Is it sleeping?" It's like you birth this baby, and then the first thing you want to do is to get it to sleep. And so, it's like get it to bed at six o'clock and wake it up at nine in the morning. Yes. So you you, you know you get this kid to sleep. And I I used to ask myself why why didn't I grow, doing everything lifting weights and just not growing. And I I realized that part of the the issue is that by the time I was 15, I think I probably was awake for about a year. At 5 o'clock, it was have a bath. Get in the bath at 5 o'clock. Anybody remember? Mum, 5 o'clock you have a bath. But it started at 4. It started at 4 o'clock. Remember you're having a bath at 5 o'clock and so every 15 minutes you get ready for your bath, get ready for your bath and so you have a hot bath. She puts you in this warm bath and then gets you in these warm pyjamas and then starts, would you like some warm milk? Would you like some warm milk? And maybe Horlicks, remember Horlicks? Would you like some Horlicks? Some sinister mothers go to the chemist and get some other stuff and say, drink this. What is it, mum? Shut up, just drink it and have another one. And so the whole goal is to get your kid to sleep. And I was like, I think I was 15 and I'd only been awake for about, a year, no wonder I would not grow. I'd never seen the sunlight and my mother wanted me to sleep the whole time. And wives do it to their husbands as well. They moderate multiplication by, oh, I'm, I'm tired or you should go to bed early, darling. You've been working hard. And so we tend to moderate uh, multiplication because if you sleep too long. And I think that was probably the other possibility is... Uh, you know, as I said the first time, sometimes out of your trauma or of the experience of faith, you can say, I don't want to go there again. Or you can just get to a place of thinking, oh, this is nice. I just want to have a bit of a rest. I just want to chill and relax a little bit. You know, um, my journey in and Brisbane has been really interesting um, I uh, took my centre on a a journey about a year ago, uh, two years ago, probably about the same time as you guys started to really um, go through your journey. And uh, I recognised that we were a bunch of really faithful, responsible people. And um, when I look at our journey from, I think I took over in about um, 97, uh, had this incredibly faithful eldership, a little bit like what you guys have got. And I look at what we've accomplished now, and I feel greatly discouraged. That is because it's taken so long to get where we are now. And I I don't know whether it's turning 50, but I just feel so burdened with another wave of desire for multiplication. And I realize that we almost had a pride about how faithful we were. We're really faithful. Yeah, we do our job. We're really responsible. And... I recognised that we needed to shift, and we needed to shift into the dimension of faith. And I recognised that there were periods in the past that we did that. And so a great example of that was that um, we had this poverty kind of building, it was broken down and all, all in a mess, and we are going so slow, we are so cautious about our expenditure, and... You know, trying to pay everything ourselves. It was really, really tough. And um, a businessman came to me, a property developer, and he said, "Listen, I have a 15-acre bit of land with an old shack on it. It was about the time of the property boom, right the tail end of the property boom about 10 years ago. And he said to me, "If you buy that and you do it up, you can sell it, and it's easy to make 70, 60, 70,000 dollars." Now, that's not what we do. We're not developers as a ministry. It was very radical for a bunch of conservative people. I felt like God said we should do it. I felt, similar to Alan and Jackie, I felt like there was something stirring. It's like the wind in the scripture. It's like the wind started to blow in the waters. And God was saying, you've got to step out of faithfulness. Faithfulness is good, but it's too slow. You have to walk into the faith dimension. And so we, um, we basically uh, all together entered into this project. We sent 40 people up to this property. We worked on this property, got it together. We put it on the market and it would not sell. It just sat there and sat there. And I was driving an hour every couple of weeks to mow this ground and you know, keep it in a place and for almost a year it did not sell. And so I, um, eventually once we'd lost all of our profit margin... It eventually sold. We put the price right down. And we probably made no money at all. The interesting thing is about two weeks after that, we had a DTS and this very quiet, um, insecure little Malaysian guy called Lester came and did his DTS. And Lester hardly said anything. He just didn't talk to anybody. He was very quiet and shy. One day his father showed up and um, his father talked a lot but I really didn't understand very much of what he said. Um, but he said something about $200,000. And I'm like, what? So I started listening and he Uh said, oh, I just sold a property in Perth and I need to deal with the interest and I want to give you $200,000. So this was like two weeks after this failure of this thing. And so basically we'd stepped out in faith and it triggered something. It's like this, you know, uh, when, when we look at this, Um, Down here we're dealing with all the earthly things One plus one But when you're here This thing is going up into the heavenlies Where we have a multiplication dynamic And so by obeying and going into this crazy project Which did not make sense in any way All of a sudden Brother George rocks up and gives us $200,000 Now uh, I started looking after his sons. He kept sending more and more sons after, over to Australia, about five sons, and I had to get him into private schools, and sometimes I had to go and cut the grass on his properties after that for a little while, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. But I persisted, and he came and said, oh, I, I sold another property. I've got another $200,000 that I want to give you. So Brother George now has given us $400,000. Up until that point, We had, since 1980 as a ministry, operated in one plus one faithfulness for a long, slow, slow, slow journey. We ventured into the dimension of faith, did something really weird and radical, and boom, this thing keeps coming. Now, Brother George continues to talk to me, um, and he just said, if you do another building project, I'll give you an interest-free loan. Oh my goodness, you know how valuable that is, and so... It's just incredible. I I have so many stories, but sadly, what I realise is that we will dabble and and step into the dimension of faith and experience this incredible... Uh, momentum that happens when you're in faith. You're still walking, you're still operating, but there's momentum. It's so much easier to go down a hill than it is to go up a hill. The only difference is you need strong legs. You still carry weight, don't you, when you're going downhill? So you need strong legs, but it's nowhere near as exhausting when you are operating in faithfulness alone. And so what, um, what I realised, and Noah probably was it the same, and the danger is that We often will go back to faithful or we might just go to sleep for a little while. Oh yeah, we just want to stay in this place for a little while. It's just kind of nice and comfortable. We just want to go to sleep for a little while. And so I just want to exhort you guys that faith is such an incredibly exciting dimension. And we can go backwards and forwards and have our dabble. But the problem is, as I said with our curve here, that if we do it once, eventually it will just go back to hard work again. Uh, Just you lose the momentum, you lose the excitement. I'll just tell you another quick story. Um, I have a a man in my organisation called Topi Kivamaki. He's a Finnish Australian guy and he pioneered YWAM ministries in Japan. And uh, he was pursuing me for years and years to plant a YWAM centre in Japan. And I just felt like, oh my goodness, you know, all the reputation in Japan in missions is it's a missionary graveyard, it's really tough and, and very, very difficult. So I hesitated and didn't want to get involved, but I felt like God spoke to me very clearly through a picture and I just let in. And I sent four people to, um, I sent four people to um, Osaka uh, into a house last September and all of a sudden, what is happening is this incredible dynamic where everybody's hearing about it. And people are talking to me about it. And now we have 15 people there within a very short time. And it's just exploding. And so this is what happens uh, with the dimension of faith. It's, it's very much like, I've lost my uh, pen here. It's very much like um, when you are at the, the base of a, a mountain which has all of this resource up here. And when you reach this tipping point that I'm talking about here and you all enter in and agree uh, at that tipping point, what happens is all of this starts to fall down. Uh, money like Brother George's starts to come from places. You, you, we give our money, we invest and we, uh, we do what we can but finance is coming, you don't even know where it came from. And people start talking about it, like in Japan. People are hearing about it. And it's not even in a very busy part of Osaka. And I'm like, how do people hear about it? But it's in faith and all of a sudden everybody's hearing about it, people are joining, everybody wants to join. And that's what happens when you are walking in faith. Faithfulness is hard work. We're required to be faithful and we never stop being faithful but we need to walk in faith because things get easier. It is like you're still walking, you're still carrying weight but you are on the downhill rather than continually up on the uphill and things happen so much faster. Um, So... God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark and he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. You know, I, I think that for us all to continue on in a ministry, we all need to sense that wind of God. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it's it's so important for us all to sense the Holy Spirit's presence um, and to uh, enter into that. Now, um The next thing that happens is once we feel like God is speaking to us about going forward in faith, um, we get set. And so I I think what we see in that scripture is that Noah uh, started to send out the birds. He was anticipating. He was probably looking after the cows and saying, how you doing, getting them ready to get off and and to multiply. And so uh, one of the things that I think is a really good principle is that Uh, especially when you are uh, moving in vision, is to operate as if that thing that you want to move into is already there. And so one of the things that we did was we needed a vehicle. Uh, And a church raised money eventually and bought a vehicle for us. But before they did that, uh, we actually created a car park on our centre. And we all got around it and once a week we would wash this imaginary vehicle. And we would walk around the car park so that no one ever saw, you know, so no one ever walked across the car park. We sort of played pretend that this vehicle was already there. And I was thinking about this in terms of getting set, getting set for the next phase of what you, God wants you to enter into. And one of the things that's really, really important is to... Approach things as if they are already here that are not, and that 's what faith says that you approach things as if they aren 't here as if they already are and so um, a great example of this is if you were wanting to if you 're wanting to punch someone uh, and really knock them out, say James Moroni, for example, if you wanted to punch someone uh, like that, you don 't punch here you actually Punch! imagine that they're a little bit back because what happens is all the momentum stops at this point. But if you want greater momentum, imagine that they're a little bit back here and then you have more momentum. And so the reason that I tell you that, it's the same with breaking bricks. You imagine that you're hitting something about a, you know 20 centimetres behind the actual concrete and you get maximum impact. And so one of the things about operating in faith is that we start to give not as if we're sustaining the now, but we start to give as if we we're sustaining something bigger in the future. We, we start to serve not in a way of just sustaining what we have now, but let's start give, serving, uh, anticipating what it is that we want to move into. And so uh, if, you, if you just serve basically, basically on how big you are now, then everybody just does what needs to be done to get through. But the key is to actually give uh, according to what you want to see happen. And when you do that, you're starting to approach God and say, God, we are ready. Uh, I'm not sure if I shared this story before, but part of the issue of growth is that when I was a little kid, what was happening was I have a hypothalamus. We all have a hypothalamus. And we all have a pituitary gland. I think I shared this last time I was with you. And what happens is nothing you do can make you grow. But when your hypothalamus thinks it's time, it communicates to your pituitary gland and your pituitary gland sends chemicals and hormones to every cell in your body and then you just start to grow. And you would think, well, this is powerless, we can't make anything happen, we just have to wait for Mr. Hypothalamus to make his decision. But no, what's happening is Mr. Hypothalamus is actually constantly getting feedback from the body to see whether it's ready. Is the body ready to grow? It's waiting for data. It's waiting for input. And when it gets the right data, then it says grow. And so we can think sometimes that we just wait in this holding pattern. Maybe we get tired uh, and just stay in this place uh, and just pat ourselves in the back and think that's really good. Uh, Let's not stress ourselves out. Or maybe we just think, I'm not going to do that again. This is good enough. Let's just stay where we are. Or you might say... Well, I can't make God move. That was an incredible sovereign activity where God spoke to us and it was incredible. How can I make that again? Well, I think that Noah was probably on the boat and he was approaching God saying, remember us, remember us. You've got us on this journey and it's really good and we've got all these great animals here. It's fantastic, but remember us. And I just want to say that we can, like the, like the body can send uh, communications to the hypothalamus, we can actually position ourselves and pursue God and say, God, we want faith to happen. We don't have to wait for that faith thing to to happen without any control. We can actually activate it by being ready and being set. And so I just want to leave those thoughts with you today um, to encourage you that you've been on an incredible journey and it certainly has been a faith journey and it's been so exciting to watch it happen. Um, but I just want to just say that I go out to many country towns, I travel a lot there, and so many people enter into faith a little bit like my centre, see something really cool happening, and then just get tired, and then just think, I don't want to do that again, and then go back into faithfulness. And of course, faithfulness, according to gravity, eventually slides back into apathy and regression. And so the exciting place is that when we are on the downward slope, that's the dimension of faith. We're still in control, we're still carrying weight. Yes, we are, but it's so much easier when we're in that flow. And faith is like a current. It's a little bit like a whirlpool. When you all get in and you just pull that together, when you agree together, it creates a current. And you know that when you're on your journey, things were just happening. People would call you, this would happen, this would come together. It's so exciting when that is happening. And what happens as a leader, I know that when that's happening, I actually want to run around and and I want to do more. I've got energy. When you are in a place of responsibility, it's like you're tired often. But when you're moving in faith, it's amazing the energy you can have and the resources come from places. Sometimes we think, why do I want to grow? Why do I want to do that again? It's just going to be more tiring. But it's actually not. It's actually easier because you are riding in the current of God. And so I just want to finish with what I said before in terms of set. I don't think that you guys, I'm not uh, you're stepping into the place of articulating a new vision or anything like that here this morning. But certainly in that position of set, that is when you start thinking, okay, as a part of my set position, I'm actually projecting towards the finishing line. I'm actually projecting ahead. I'm not giving to sustain what is here now. I'm not serving to sustain what is here now. I'm not just living in what... I'm actually going to be operating in a new dimension of giving towards the next level, of, of serving towards the next level. And that actually starts to give energy to other people and others start to sense the wind of God and God starts to respond and he moves on you. And so I just want to um, leave those thoughts with you this morning. And I think the last thing I just wanted to say is that uh, one really wonderful thing is um, in terms of building a really great culture and, and what I think is you have an amazing culture here. I'm really excited about the quality, the way you're relating together. Just so awesome to see. But there's, there's three, four principles that I've observed in really great cultures. One is setting amazing goals. visions. The second is achieving or winning. And thirdly, celebrating together those victories. And fourthly, telling the stories. You guys have an incredible story to tell. And uh, so all of those things are so important. When I was growing up in Melbourne um, as a, a white European family, we did this and this really, really well. We did this all, but we never celebrated and we never told stories, never told stories, never celebrated, just set goals, achieved, set goals, achieved, set goals, achieved. The Pacific Island, let's pick on the Pacific Islanders, they didn't do these very well, but they, they did these a lot, celebrate and tell stories a lot. Uh, the, the community that did this really well was the Italians in Melbourne. They did all four of the set goals, achieved and won. They celebrated and they told stories and it's such a powerful dynamic together. You guys have an incredible story because what happens is once you tell a story, it gives you fuel to start to say, let's take on another vision uh, and then to set other goals. So the stories inspire and give you wisdom and just the, the hope. Yes, let's do that again. And so telling the stories is really, really important. So the Queensland State of Origin team do these four very well. Set goals, win, celebrate and tell stories. When they tell stories, it's something like this. Do you remember 2001? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you remember 2002? Oh, 2003? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but when the New South Wales team... Do you remember that... Tri- yeah, yeah, we've already told that one. Uh, so New South Wales State of Origin team just... They, they don't do this very well. Um, they do this well, but don 't do any of these so well, Alan. Anyway, got it in there. Well, I just want to pray for you guys if I could. Spirit 's gone. Yeah Father, I just um, just think about this uh, community here at the moment, and um, thank you for those members that got on this boat. Thank you that they stepped out in faith and um, journeyed with you and responded to you. I want to thank you for the blessing that you've released from the heavenlies, the resources here, that um, out of just a vision, now we see all this substance. Where did it come from? It came from your heavenly dimension. Uh, Thank you for the gift of vision and that it draws things into our world, and we thank you for what we see here today. We thank you also that it is, um, in essence, uh, a boat, an ark that's on a journey. And Father, I just pray that people would, uh, in this congregation today, would sense your Holy Spirit. We just pray that your Spirit would flow, just as Noah experienced the water blowing, the, the, the wind blowing in the waters, a new time. A new, a new thing. And I pray, Lord, this is a new time and a new season. And I just pray that uh, people would sense that in their spirit this morning. Your presence, that you're doing something new. And I pray that we would all position ourselves ready. Ready and set for the next phase of what's happening. And I pray that you would give us a dimension of faith and generosity to walk into that vision. To walk into the next phase. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
0: Anyone else just the last couple of minutes, just if I can critique. Anyone feel that thing lift the last two minutes of his talk? We started talking about gibbering about Queensland, no? It's just me. Okay, nice. Thank you so much, Dave. Um, awesome to have you here. I, it was funny this morning when we were praying, In uh, we get together before church and anyone can join us. It's uh, open anyone, we pray. About 10 o'clock in the hall next door, we just pray for the morning. And the verse that was running around in my head this morning was where Paul, the apostle, actually wrote to, um, I think it was the Thessalonians. And he commends them, he says, so when I came to you, he says, you, you received what I said as the word of God, not as the word of men." And uh, I just had a real sense today that what you were going to bring to us that we would open ourselves in to receive it as a word from God. So I, for one, I'm, I I receive what Dave shared this morning as a, a real word from God, an encouragement to us um, that uh, you know uh, Noah was building a boat and and um, it wasn't even raining. <laughs> So he's doing exactly what you said, he's already doing something in, in, in light as if something had already happened, as if there's already this thing called rain falling down or already flooded, he's already building and so I'm a, a, a big believer in that. But the whole uh, presentation and that resting, I don't know if I, I probably haven't said this to you but I've used the term with the church before that we were in a holding pattern and you use that term as well and that's what it's kind of felt like is a little bit of a holding pattern and holding patterns are good but but you can't live in a holding pattern. You will run out of petrol and the plane will crash and kill everybody on board. So, <laughs> so we don't want to die. So anyway, so thank you so much, Dave. That was a real blessing to us. Dave's going to hang around for a little bit, uh, finish off your tea and coffee and stuff afterwards. Anyone's got any questions or would like to uh, chat at all with Dave, he's going to be here. So please come and grab Dave, have a bit of a chat. Um, encourage you just to, to think about uh, what Dave has said. Please don't walk out the door and just go notch it up as another one of your, what would be sermon number 38 of the year or something and move on with the rest of your week. Think about what Dave is saying because I, I, I really just, just want to encourage you all in that. I, I, I feel like God wants us to embrace that. Each of us individually, that is a word from God for where we are at as a community uh, and also for many of us I'm sure for where we're at personally as well see ourselves in that and hear what the spirit has to say to you so bless you guys have a fantastic week yeah we'll see you in um see you thursday night hopefully at the worship night if not we might see in small groups or we'll see you on sunday bless you